What's up, people? Welcome to another episode of the Talk Louder podcast, where we geek out on all things rock and roll. Hit that subscribe button on our YouTube channel. Leave us your likes and comments. You can also leave likes and comments on our Facebook page and follow us on iTunes and Spotify. I'm Metal Dave Glessner, along with my co-host Jason McMaster, and we have a great episode today. We are talking to a professional road warrior. I would call him a road warrior. His name is Demetrius Bermudez, and he has worked as a professional tour manager, drum tech, etc., for the likes of Jeff Tate uh, from Queensryche, the Dio Disciples, Doyle from the Misfits, and Rhino Bucket, among others. We got a lot to talk about with him today, so let's get right into it. <laughs> Please welcome our guest, Demetrius Bermudez, today. Hey. hey. How's it going, everybody? Friends How you doing? colleagues know him as Demi. We're going to call him Demi today. How are you, man? Thanks for joining us. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm excited. Absolutely. So you and Jason uh, have a little bit of history. Um, tell us how you guys first met. Uh, well, um, I'm going to say it was probably 1990. Um I was over across the streets from Mates Rehearsal in North Hollywood, California, with this little band called Rhino Bucket. And uh, they were rehearsing across the street. And I think it was Mark, the drummer, was outside. And I went over there, started talking with them and everything like that. And then I gave him a tape that we had. It was uh, like live on the Sunset Strip or live at the Coconut Teaser or something like that. That's it. And then uh, they guys just came out and we just all ended up talking and you know, next thing we know, it's, you know, we're, we're friends, we're hanging out and we go up to, uh, what was that? It was like some apartment complex that we were all staying at. The Oakwoods. Uh, Oak Woods, I think it was, or something like that. Yeah. And, and then, uh, yeah, just kind of became friends from there on out and known each other since. Wow. I didn't realize it went back that far. That's cool. Are you still based in Hollywood? Uh, yeah, I'm in Orange County right now, but basically this, you know, southern california thing back and forth from here in arizona too uh but yeah mostly california at this point and uh, and apparently on the road quite a bit from uh from your job description uh, <laughs> uh we we know you've worked with jeff tate and Queensryche. you've worked with dio disciples you worked with doyle the guitars for the misfits yeah um, i, I, I want to talk about that because i'm a misfits fan uh <laughs> rhino bucket of course um so uh, do you have any tours upcoming that you're, well, you're, I guess you're, are you doing the European Rhino Bucket thing? No, I don't, I, I haven't toured with them in a long time. Uh, but, you know, they, they kind of do it on their own. They have uh, the band and then like one guy who knows Europe and, and he's like the driver and the merch guy, the whole deal. So they already got that all set up. Um, but right now I'm talking with Wendy Dio, and we're looking into doing the the whole hologram LED thing and stuff like that. So uh, for another, uh, I think we're looking at around April or May at 2022. Let's dig in. Let's dig into that whole thing for a second. So yeah. the the Dio's disciples, the version that I saw was pre hologram, and you had uh, two singers. It was Mark Bowles and um, Oni Logan. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was that was a different version. The the main one that we have now 
is with uh, Ripper, Tim Ripper Owens yeah. and Oni Logan. Okay. And, uh, and then we have the hologram that does about five songs with the band playing live. And then they come out and do all the other songs and everything like that. And at the end, they, all three of them are up there singing, you know, uh, I forgot what song it was. Stand up and shout. Maybe I can't remember. Okay. Top my, oh, no, we rock. That's it. No, we rock. Yeah. Making yeah. sense. Okay. So, so the old version and the new version, you kind of like explain the differences in personnel and maybe show theme or attraction. Um, Tell us without like throwing anybody under the bus or pissing anybody (laughs) off or, uh, you know, tell us, well, there's a couple of questions I can turn this into. First off, uh, which version seems to have a better draw pre hologram with whoever the personnel was yeah. or, or hologram? Um, it's pre hologram was, was different. And that when deals disciples first came along, it was like Rudy Sarzo and Tim and uh, it was still Craig and Simon and Scott. And um, so the, the lineup kind of changed a little bit. With the hologram, I mean, there's a lot of people that showed up there, especially for the Europe shows and stuff and the festivals and everything. There's a lot of people for that. And then we did a tour in the U.S. Uh, without Rudy. It was Bjorn, uh, Anglin playing bass, and then Ripper and Oni doing the vocals. And that was strictly Dio's Disciples. And we were playing, you know, clubs, small theaters kind of thing. And it was good. You know, it was packed out. Uh, the hologram, we just mostly did theaters because of the size of the production that we needed. You know, we had to have rafters. We had to have, you know, motorized everything. It was crazy. Yeah. So we had to have the the, the house. You know, we couldn't just do it at Emo's. You know, we would have to go right. to a bigger place to yeah. do it. Uh, and at first, the crowds were a little iffy because it's a new thing. You know, no one really even heard of it or thought about it. Then after a few shows, it started building up and it was, it was getting pretty packed. You know, these theaters were packing out everywhere and uh, it was good. It was, it was a good intro. And then this, what we have working on now is going to be even bigger than that. So a lot more, uh, a lot more stage presence, a lot more things going on with everything in the background. Right. And, and the hologram portion and the LED screen, the whole thing. So it's going to be pretty big coming up nice. when he doesn't go, doesn't go small on stuff. So. Right. I think that, I think that much, uh, much in the way some of the, the queen production, not to compare it, ex- mm-hmm. you know, I'm not saying, yeah. you know, queen ripped you off, Demi, you know, I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm not saying that. And I'm not definitely not going to say you ripped off queen, but you know, you know the the groups that have the fallen guy that yeah. will never die, no matter what. I don't care if you, you know, have videos rolling the whole time or a hologram in this case or whatever. There's, I mean, Dio's one of these guys that's never going to die. He's going to live forever because of the impact. Yeah. And I want people to express themselves about how they really feel all the time. And because that way it's full disclosure and we know where we all stand. Right. So to feel like, uh, things like this are a money grab 
or that, uh, you know, it's like, well, fuck all that because Wendy Dio is running the fucking show. Yeah. Rhymes. Well, yeah. I, I can tell you for one thing, it was no money grab. No. I mean, I, I no. did the budget. Yeah. I knew exactly what was going on. I know what was coming in and out. I'm talking and it about wasn't done for fans. the money. I'm talking about from like people oh, the outside talking yeah. shit because I've heard it. Yeah. I've heard people say, oh man, uh, you know, hologram or no hologram. It's like, you know, I mean, because with the the singers you have, you know, the same asshole is going to call it a tribute band. You know, Oni's up there and even though it's pretty much Dio's band and you got a different singer and you got some maybe video rolling, I don't, you know, it wouldn't even matter if it was sock puppet dressed as Dio. My point is <laughs> that's the it's next fucking tool. Dio's band. Yeah. That's one thing that's fucking awesome. It's D it's the fucking band. So someone's got to sing it. I feel yeah. like, you know, if, when, when Craig's up there and, um, who, who's the keyboard guy? Uh, Scott Warren. Okay. Right. If yeah, you've he got was a, in Dio for like 18 years. That's so. what I'm fucking talking about. So with the sort of like, I don't know. My point was only go only supposed to be that, you know, Dio is going to live forever and you guys are helping people who probably missed it, have an emotional moment they can take with them forever if they missed it yeah. and i feel like it it's going to have a production value no matter what doesn't matter what naysayer or i'll just, did I, I'll just say asshole has yeah. an issue <laughs> with that or just oh it's a fucking tribute band i don't i don't think it's a tribute band no i mean if it was you know five six different guys who were never been in the band band or or lived with Ronnie. I mean, Simon, you know, lived there at, at the house and helped him out. He helped him out through the whole right. last, you know, the cancer thing and everything. Yeah. And those, those guys knew Ronnie big time. I mean, I've met him a, a quite a few times and he was great. Always nicest guy in the world. I never got to tour with them or work with them. I started my stuff after. Yeah. Uh, but when I, you know, what, when I did know him, I mean, he's an incredible guy. But as far as like a tribute band, no, nah, no way. Those guys are, those guys wrote the shit. They were recorded it. They were right there. Not all of it, of course. Yeah, but of course. they were there. Yeah, you know, they they put in their time. Simon, I think, drummed for them for like 16, 17 years or something like that. Holy shit! Craig was yeah. in and out, and yeah. you know Scott forever too. So well, let's talk about let's talk about those guys, and I I think that it's it's a pinch myself moment that, that you're, that you're just like, you know, working at and working in the kitchen with these guys all the time. And it's no big deal, but let's talk about the personnel real quick. Okay. The fact that, sure. that Simon and uh, I already forgot his name, Mr. Warren, Scott Warren, mm -hmm. were with him forever. And how long was Craig with, with Dio? Craig was with them. Kind of almost the same time, but back and forth a few times. Uh, right. I think then Doug came in, okay, and did some stuff, and then Craig came back, and and some other guy, Tracy G, I think. And you mean and you mean Doug Aldridge or Doug Aldridge? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Great. Uh, Rowan and uh, was Rowan in came and made a record and did a tour. Yeah. Rowan uh, Rowan did it too. 
Yeah. He, the, I got a really funny story about Rowan, but we'll, we'll go we'll back go to ahead that. and tell it. Tell it. We want to hear <laughs> okay. it. Okay. <laughs> this is Rowan, what the show is all about. <laughs> Uh, he's still a friend of mine, so I don't think. Yeah, I love Ro- I love Rowan. I've gotten to hang out with hang out with Rowan. He's, he's still going to be your friend after you tell this story. I I hope so. <laughs> so it's a it risk was, you're willing to take for our talk louder audience. So thank you. Shoot, Dean, yeah, what's I'll, the story? He yeah, he's a he's a great guy. But so we were. I was I was living with Greg from Rhino Bucket, Greg Fiddleman. Yeah, and we had uh we had a party and greg and george the guys from ron and bucket were there and a bunch of other people and stuff and this guy larry brings this this kid over uh named rowan and apparently he's gonna try out for this band called dio the next day or something like that (laughs) so he comes over and he parties a little (laughs) bit too much i think and i remember getting up in the morning and like go in the kitchen i'm like what the hell is that underneath the table and there's Rowan curled up underneath the table sleeping. <laughs> and it was like, dude, you got to get up. Don't you have to go somewhere? <laughs> and then yeah. I got a, I think he, I think someone picked him up. Larry picked him up or something. I can't remember that far back, but I just remember him curled up underneath the kitchen table. Well, he got the tender age of 16. And he, <laughs> and he, got, and he got the, the gig. gig, right? He got the gig. Yeah. There Definitely you go. The gig. Yeah. Wow. So, that was the first hell- time I ever met Rowan. A hell of a hangover. Yeah. Yeah. They, you helped him get. Uh, yeah. yeah well, I, I didn't, I didn't give him any beers. I know that because he was 16 years old. I, you know, it's, it's illegal. So I have no idea. Yeah. Well, there's the thing, you know, he, it, that probably would have killed in any one of us, but 16 years old, you're bulletproof. You get up from under the table, you go audition for Dio, get the gig and you're off. <laughs> to make a record right <laughs> yeah pretty much really you know, and, and you know dio is so nice he probably offered him a pint right exactly <laughs> yeah. hey, congratulations my friend yeah here you go <laughs> so Demi, uh, break it down real quick i want to i want to get a because uh, i'm i'm sort of ignorant to the whole dio hologram thing so if i if i okay. bought a ticket and i went to the show what does it look like how does it play out when you know what does the band uh does it is it the band first and then the hologram comes out at some point kind of run me through the show um well like the last show basically the we have an opening act they come out and do their thing and then uh we have the the screens in the background and stuff and then on stage uh stage left there's simon and craig well actually if you're looking at the stage we'll go along that way it'd be easier there's simon and craig over there and to the left is uh scott and Bjorn and then in the middle there's a large a couple of large screens and stuff there and that's where everything's projected on from the bottom up and from the back and just different elements putting it together um and the first song opens up and it's uh it's the hologram it's Ronnie coming out and he sings the first song and then I think I think Tim comes out and does a couple of songs uh mob rules and different other songs that he does and then like the hologram will come out and do one more song kind of thing with the band and then Oni comes out and they kind of switch off so basically there's about like i said five songs that the hologram does with the band okay. and then uh, all the rest are are tim and, and oni and sometimes they're together singing too so so they, so 
as a guy who's behind the scenes making all this work, uh, given the technology that's required to make this hologram happen, have you had any disastrous experiences where Ronnie doesn't show up or something? He doesn't go as planned. <laughs> well, that's why we do two weeks of rehearsal, full production beforehand, you know, nailing it down. And, you know, if any glitches do come up or anything, there's, uh, you know, the the LED guy, the light guy and the sound guy and they take care of stuff i mean our, our sound guy on the last tour was actually kelly gray who uh played he was a guitar player for queens and with jap and everything he's an incredible sound guy and then there was uh paul dexter was the led guy and another guy named dustin and they did the led and they took care of all that and they we fixed all the glitches or whatever glitches come up but live i think we only had i think we did have one glitch in germany with the the first tour the, the first hologram thing that we did and i i think it kind of froze up a little bit and it was like oh shit <laughs> like ah what are we gonna do and then um they got figured out and everything and it all got put back together you know the musicians are obviously straight on they're they're continuing and they they made it work it popped back got it all back together and boom it was it was just a quick glitch but that five seconds seemed like an eternity you oh, know it was yeah. like oh god what are we going to do now this is it i bet so. the, the interesting thing uh <clears throat> about you know that side of the production and i have some questions about it um so his his the hologram the audio track <laughs> for mm -hmm. the hologram is just like an input on on the fate on a fader on the mixer right yeah yeah it's basically uh left and right and a ronnie. Of, I, I can turn ronnie up i can turn ronnie down right okay just like yeah, and it starts off, yeah yeah basically and it starts off with like a with the click you know because it's got to sync up right and that's where yeah. simon comes in and he's got it he's you know, got I'm ear, sitting next he's, to him he's, he's got to say i'm ready then i trigger this you know and simon's yeah, got an got, earbud with a click right and yeah, it's a quick up. four count. Yep. And then boom, the band jumps right into it because yep. if you're off, you're off. You know, you, well, there's no all, catching up with it. That's all on Simon. So Simon gets the dirty looks if he's if he's not on that click. Well, he's an okay drummer. I mean, he's, he's not yeah, too he, bad. Well, I would I would say he's not, <laughs> right. not too shabby of a drummer. We got to get we got to get, no. <laughs> <laughs> get him on here because you know he's a pretty special. Uh, personality a guy could get along with a rattlesnake you know oh he's great he's one of my best friends him and george are like my best friends that i've best. known forever some know? of the best people just not even in the business just people yeah. that i've had the pleasure of getting to know much like yourself demi just just like super easy to work with and talk to and yeah who who knew that you know you'd be friends with like rock stars your whole life well it's yeah it's kind of weird you know like uh you know i ha I have the acdc posters up in my room you know when i was 14 i still do yeah. you know well, i can tell <laughs> and I can and tell. next thing i know i was like oh shit i remember one time my, i introduced my mom to simon the first time and she's like don't you have a poster of him in your room i'm like mom 
Don't say that. That is awesome. And Simon was like, you do really? And now he fucked with you. No, I bet he didn't even fuck with you. So, so real, so real quick. Uh, Actually, I'm doing a video thing with Simon tomorrow. Oh, you uh, are? Yeah. Uh, he's doing a video for this band that he's in. One of the bands he's in called of monsters or of gods and monsters. Oh, cool. And, man. uh, we're doing a video tomorrow, uh, a video shoot. So I got to go pick up drums. Give him right. my phone number. Give, yeah, give him let, let number. him know that that you did this <laughs> and that, that we say hello and that I'd love to to see if he wants to come on here and have a chat. Yeah, sure. I'll, awesome. I'll let him know. He so, will. He's good about stuff like that. Yeah, but, well, he's like I said, he's the sweetest guy ever. Uh, uh, I, 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 I started a question a little while ago and we got sidetracked and that, and that's, that's fine. Oh. You answered all my questions, but I wanted to talk about these guys in, in the band. Oh, okay. Yeah, I saw, I, that's, a, no, that's fine. <laughs> I saw Craig Goldie playing guitar for Jufria. Yeah. Oh yeah. In Austin, yeah. Texas at the Austin Opera House in 1980. Three, four, eight, maybe eighty-four. Yeah, they 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 went Must out. Have been. They they toured with uh, Deep Purple when Deep Purple did the Perfect Strangers, sort of oh, the comeback nice. tour. Yeah, that's eighty-three, eighty-four. Yeah, so, yeah, you're in the ballpark. Yeah. So so I was an angel. I am an angel fan, and Greg Jafria played keys and angel, and had a solo thing, which I think in basically ended up. I want to say kind of turned into House of Lords, yeah. maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can remember, uh, kind of remember that. I don't know if it was any of the same personnel, but I know that like just a handful of three, four, five years later, Jafria was working with House of Lords, and it very well could have been those that circle of people. I honestly don't remember who the singer was in Jafria. I was just there because, you know, it was a show and I had a ticket. I don't remember being excited to, you know, I didn't remember them having a hit or anything. I think he had blonde hair and it was like really David, big. David Glenn Isley. Wow. How do that, you know is that? Is that who it was? Wow. Okay. How do you know that? I'm a nerd. I love you, nerd. <laughs> so, so I remember the show being pretty good, but they played for no one. It was like me and my friends. And oh, uh, I've done a couple of those. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it happens sometimes. <laughs> um, you know, there, there could have been something else going on that night. It could have been maybe, I don't know, you know, they bit off more they could chew with the opera house because the place holds, you know. Wow. It's a big place. Thousand people, 1200 people or something. It's, anyway, uh, so, so uh, Craig Goldie, I don't know what he was doing before Jufria, but that was the first time I saw him play guitar yeah and then the next thing you know i see him in dio i was like hey i've seen that guy play with jafria so he's got all this background yeah. um simon is i don't even know simon before acdc well he, he was, was in a it was uh, i i forgot the heads or tails or a to z a to z that was it oh really yeah, uh, and well, I, I was I was shocked to find out that he got the ACDC gig when he was like nineteen or twenty years old. So yeah, he basically went from high school to ACDC, which is insane. <laughs> so yeah, you know what I mean. I, I'm well, sure. you just said it. It's A to Z on a dime. Yeah. 
He right. went A to Z. There was no B, C, D, E. He went A, Z. Yeah, right. yeah exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, he'll so, tell you that story uh, of how he got it. I've, I've heard it a million times, and it's a, a great he, story. I'm sure other people have heard it, but when you have him yeah. on, he'll definitely yeah. dive more into it. It's very, very, very cool story about how it went down, and it sounded it sounds so nonchalant. We'll let him tell the story. Um, yeah. <laughs> but A to Z, a British, that's a new wave of British heavy metal band, right? That's kind of a, right? Isn't that a British band? It, yeah. You know, it was funny. My, uh, my brother, Keith, he, uh, he came up to me and he goes, look what I got at the record store. And he had an A to Z. He bought it there. It was like, not a 45, but a little bit bigger. Uh, it was like an EP. A, a, a 10 inch. Yeah. yeah. It was like a 10 okay. inch, a big 10 okay. inch. Yeah. He brought me. And, yeah. uh. It was kind of funny. I'm like, holy shit. He's like, yeah, I saw it. I had to pick it up. And I go, I've never seen one. I guess it was oh. just like an import thing. So. so I think A to Z was actually on some really cool, weird, uh, you know, heavy metal heroes or uh, like compilation albums of when, when oh. the New Ever British heavy metal, like, you know, you know, like the whole thing blew up in the early eighties over in Britain and London and all around. And, and I'm not talking about Def Leppard and, and I'm not talking about Raven and Venom. And I'm talking about all of the people that were like barely demo stage who might get to make a full length record on their big brother's sister's boyfriend's garage label called like butthole records or something, you know, <laughs> And, and it did happen and it happened. I mean, there was a lot of those bands, but I, there, you know, um, I, I remember having, I, I think that it was literally a record called heavy metal heroes or something like that. And they did two versions and there were all these bands, but bands I've heard of, uh, uh praying mantis and, uh, um, you know, iron bitch or whatever. <laughs> it's like yeah. a thousand names. You just, you know, but there were a lot of, and A to Z, I swear was on one of those or many of those kind of like, let's populations. Cash, yes. Let's, let's cash in on the new wave of British heavy metal thing by getting them before they break. And there was a bunch of bands on there that ended up getting record deals. And, uh, you know, hell, some of them had, some of them were, came out early enough. They had Iron Maiden songs on them. You know, oh it, shit, that's yeah. cool. So um, that's freaking cool. I never knew Simon was in A to Z. That adds a whole other thing to this this episode and, and <laughs> future episodes when we talk about that kind of a thing, uh, yeah. which I'm sure that we will, uh, because we have already. So yeah. <laughs> uh, now, bass player. Yeah. Let's talk about the bass player in current and then maybe who went. Did you, so? Oh, oh uh, Bjorn England? Yeah. Let's talk. Where's he from? Uh, Sweden. Okay. I know well, that. He's, been, he's been in LA for a long time. I don't know how long. Like, with a name actually, like he was, in quiet, he was in Quiet Riot at one point. Okay. With a oh, name uh, like Bjorn, you know, Bjorn, you just think, I don't know, is he from Lubbock? Love I'm, I'm kidding. Well, <laughs> I was thinking more live oak near Houston. But. Yeah, from the south. Yeah. Yeah, he's from the south. But okay. no, he's a. Yeah, he's been in a whole bunch of bands and does plays all the time, and that's what he does. He's just a bass yeah. player, and uh, I'm not quite sure how he got the gig with with Disciples. Uh, okay. 
he was just there all of a sudden. And I'm like, right. oh, okay. And uh, he's great. You know, he's, yeah. he's a great friend also. And he's a great player. Um, he has, you know, his base and his endorsements and plays everywhere. He's, you know, he's a pro, guy. pro base player. And it doesn't matter oh, yeah. if, if Dave or I have never heard of him before. It doesn't fucking yeah. matter. Yeah. So uh, that's amazing. So you're you, the whole, I think that I, that's everyone in the lineup. Oni Logan, let's talk about him. People might know him from Lynch Mob. Yeah. Yeah. Lynch Mob. Huh. You yeah. Don't, I don't know uh, that. Yeah. I, that's where I know him don't from. Don't make right? me sing the song. You know, you know the song. <laughs> that's where no, I know. Oni, Oni's a great guy. He's a great he singer. Is. You know, he's, yeah. uh, he, he's fun to be around with you know he's another another buddy another friend and that's the cool thing about going on tour with these guys they're all friends you know where we all get along really well and you know sometimes they're assholes but you know everybody is and then you know you just deal with it but it they're, they're great people they all got yeah. good hearts that's the whole thing and like like craig going back to craig goldie he's got the biggest heart in the world i mean he is the nicest guy he'll you know he'll bring you up when you're down, you know, and I, he's done that with me a couple of times. Like, I'm just like shaking my head going, what the hell are we going to do? And he's like, Hey, it's all right. You know, just talk. And he's totally cool about that. He's, he's a great person. And Oni's a great person too. You know, I love talking with him and hanging out with him. And, and then there's Ripper. He's a great guy. He's funny as hell. Tim is like one of the funniest guys I know. He's crazy. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I've always, I, I would love to talk to Tim one day because you know it's kind of like his story is like the great american dream right yeah so <laughs> yeah it's pretty pretty amazing it would be really cool to meet and talk to him for five minutes so um, so the, does the do show does the do show cover ronnie's entire career or does it focus strictly on the solo material no, it does Rainbow, Black Sabbath, okay. uh, the solo stuff. Okay, good. Um, all right. Yeah, it, it covers all of it. And we do Stargazer in there. Awesome. Um, uh, Mob Rules. Uh, what else? Um, I can't remember all the set lists. Heaven and Hell. Heaven and Hell. Like uh, shirt? I'm wearing the shirt. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's the live one, right? Is that from the uh, live album? Well, this was it has, tour, has tour dates on the back. This is uh, uh, this would have been the last, I think, world tour that that they did. Oh, that Heaven and Hell did. OK, yeah. Yeah. Before, yeah. yeah, before it kind of before she, Ozzy's wife had something to do with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that stuff. We won't give her any lip service here. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, uh, the. Those guys are great. I mean, that that's pretty yeah. much covers the band and some of the crew. I guess there's a the crew's the important part too, guys. You know that. Yeah. You well, know. that's one of the reasons yeah. you're here is like you know you're you're making it happen. Dave, did you have a question? No, I just wanted to know uh, one last thing on the Dio thing because I, I want to get uh -huh. on to some of Dini's other uh, uh, yeah. career uh, highlights and tours and whatnot. But um, regarding the hologram. Um, so how do you prepare for a tour like that? Obviously, there, the the hologram brings a whole new component to the to the stage, you know, performance. Um, so what are some of the logistics that you have to consider? You talked earlier about the venue has to be a certain size. Uh, yeah. 
just kind of let people know what are some of the other considerations that you have to uh, factor into taking something like this out on the road? Uh, well, definitely the venue has a lot to do with it. Uh, we have to be able to hang the LED uh, lights. Basically, they're like a bunch of a bunch of four by four pieces of LED put together. And then they all have to get raised up by four, four motors on a truss. And that truss has, you know, that has to be able to hold the weight. Most are, but there's some times where we had to use actually a genie lift to, to bring them in there, like a forklift kind of thing for it to hold up because the venue wouldn't, didn't have the, uh, the, the correct, the correct weight capacity. So the so the LED uh, panels that you're talking about, mm-hmm. when they're all hooked up together, you're basically creating a giant turbotron. Basically, yeah, and that's all lifted up, and then it's projected from the bottom up into it, along with the LEDs for the other visionary parts of of the screen. It's not all holograms; just he is, but the vision the the LED part of it is like the background with the dragons and the horses and the castles and all that kind of stuff. Well, you, so, can't, you can't have a show without all that stuff. Oh yeah. Well, not, not a deal. Exactly. Well, yeah. <laughs> not a deal. <laughs> sure. Usually our load ends at 8 AM in the morning and it takes all that time to set up along with, with the whole stage and everything. We usually go from 8 AM, take a quick lunch for about 10 minutes at noon. And then, sound check usually starts around three or four so all that is set up time wow. and then doors are usually at seven uh after after sound check doors at seven show at eight we end at nine thirty, quarter to ten and then we got to be out of there by two so that gives us six hours to get to our next city for an eight o'clock load in again wow. so i mean some i mean you know going from like say you know what, what houston to dallas or something like that you know, it's like three hours. Yeah. So that gives a couple of hours to sleep, you know, <laughs> and game and, and try to recoup and then boom, eight o'clock, first person in, you know, open up the doors. Let's go. Let me, so, let me ask you, just, in. let me just ask you a plain question. So the fact that you don't get much sleep, is it a tough job? Huh? What? Yeah. Um, <laughs> is it a tough job, you know, because of the lack of sleep? I mean, you know, the work that the work that everyone has to do, if you put it in a bucket, is it is it a tough job? Because I mean, whose job on the cruise has who has the hardest work? Who has to break a sweat more than you? Uh, well, besides me, I uh, I hire a really good guy named Lee Hollister. He uh, is my stage manager. He knows everything. More, a lot more than I do sometimes, probably all the time, but he's really good. <laughs> I trust, I trust him with, with everything. Everybody likes him. He's a great guy. He's a strong crew guy. And I worked with him. I met him with, uh, when I first started the, uh, with Jeff Tate, I first met this guy and I was like, fuck, this guy's awesome. Nice. And so every time I do a tour, I try to hire him if he's available, you know, he's in high demand, but yeah, he's a good guy and There's- he helps me out a lot. There's our segue, Dave. Jeff Tate. Let's talk about Mr. Tate. Yeah. So, so tell us, uh, Demi, so you're tour managing Jeff Tate. Is that correct? Yeah, I was, I, I worked with him for about three and a half, four years. The, when he first left the uh, Queensryche, when, when, 
that started so what was that about eight years ago nine years ago maybe mm-hmm. yeah it's been, it was it's been a while since i worked with them but uh so actually simon I, go uh, ahead I was, I, was gonna, I was gonna say simon got the gig as a drummer and um and i said well do you need a drum tech and we kind of went back and forth and he said oh no they already have somebody this guy lee <laughs> that i mentioned earlier <laughs> and then i said well do they have a tour manager and it was like, well, no, we don't. And I go, well, now you do. And so I kind of talked with, with Jeff and Susan, uh, his manager, wife, and, you know, met them and everything and got the gig and continued doing that for them. I mean, we toured a lot. It seemed like we were always on a bus um, touring and stuff. And it was cool. It was like, you know, there was the guys in the band were great. Crew guys are good. Everybody was great. You know, I love working with him. But a lot of family involved too, with his uh, like his daughters and stuff. Worked with them, okay, uh, yeah. in the business and everything, and that was cool. You know, it was, it was I had a good time. I had a great so, time with everybody. Um, bass player in that band is uh, John Moyer. Is that correct? Uh, well, what happened was first it was Rudy Sarzo when I he was playing bass for yeah. that tour. And we were doing a show out in California, and Ru- Ru- Rudy's always in there somewhere. Rudy's everywhere. Yeah, and so Rudy. is Simon. So is Simon. <laughs> Rudy and Simon are everywhere. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, and there was a gig in California that that couldn't be done. Uh, Rudy couldn't do it. There was some kind of thing there. I don't want to get into it really. No. Uh, nothing bad. It was just didn't work out uh, logistically, and so they had to fly John Moyer in and that's when I first met him there and he played a show. And then, uh, and then it was just like a fly in thing for the first time. And then Rudy jumped back on. And then, uh, I think, a, a couple of tours later, John Jory joined again, or maybe the next tour. I can't remember, but he joined and he was on tour with us. And that's when I got, I, I met him also. Nice guy. Great guy. You guys know him a lot. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, he's one of, uh, he's one of the locals from where we, me and Jason hang out, where we're from. So he's, uh, he's one of us and a really good guy. And, and uh, we, he gets some little bit of lip service on here because uh, he actually replaced me in a band that I quit. Yeah. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. I I was in the the band Union Underground for two, two years and I was leaving and the Union Underground guys were like, well, who, you know, plays with a bass with a pick and a pedal board and makes, you know, crazy monster sounds and can sing <laughs> and blah. It's like, oh, that's John Moyer. He's in a band called Soak and they're on Interscope. I think they're doing a gig at Lozona Rosa in Austin. You should go take him some music and say, we want you to check it out. Da, 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 da. He took the gig. And so he replaced me. They got on a bunch of OzFest and yada, yada, yada. And that's how they you know, met the Mansons and the Disturbs, you know. Isn't uh, that Patrick guy somewhere involved in yeah, there too? Pat Kinnison, who you know, which <laughs> yeah, segues, yeah. I might as well get this out of the way <laughs> for everyone watching this. Demi uh, married me and my wife. Yeah, that's right. That's that was I'm that looking was at awesome. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at the certificate on my wall right now and Demi's fucking autograph is on it. So, yeah. 
Mimi, or, or what are what is your title in that capacity as uh, someone who big, big buddy, <laughs> big buddy did did us a favor. Yeah, yeah Jason called me up and he goes, uh, he's all we were just small talking and he's all I'm going to be out in L.A. I'm like, oh, cool. And he's all, oh, and uh, can you marry me and Kate? I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> and I go, I don't know how to do that. And he's all here. I'll show you how. You know, the past McMaster. Showed me how to do it. And then uh, I did it. And then I had to make up like a speech and everything. And it was tough. Uh, Oh, uh, man. It's basically you're giving a (laughs) verbal hug to me and Kate. Yeah, that's, you know, that was the hard. I mean, I can introduce a band in front of 75,000 people at Balkan. But standing up in front of you guys and a couple other friends, I was nervous as hell. <laughs> I was just like, Ugh. I remember you just standing like a mannequin. You were just, you were kind of like frozen. It's like, you, like, Peter. like Medusa was in the room staring you down. And uh, I, I was, I was, it was, it was scary, but it was awesome. It was an honor. To you do were that. So I was sweet. like, holy you're cow. So, so sweet to do that for us. And, and you know it's this is it's not funny like funny haha but it's interesting that I call I also had uh, reached out to William Howell just to you know we were seeing really we were seeing who's available because everyone we know was busy that week and oh, um, and you know it's like I was you were available so you know uh, we we didn't really have a first choice or a second choice. It was kind of like, well, we'll take just anybody. Get any <laughs> Demi, you will work. It's get your ass in here. And you and you I don't were, live too far away. Sure, sounds were, good. You weren't even that really. You really weren't even that reluctant. Uh, if I remember right, you were like, how does? Wait a minute, how does that work? And then, oh, okay, I guess. So, <laughs> it's kind of nonchalantly doing me a big buddy favor, you know. But yeah. William Howell, I had talked to him about it, and he was, he acted more scared than you ever acted. Oh, really? Like, yeah, he, uh, he was he was making it sound like, oh, God, I can't do that. So, oh, I come feel, on, DJ I, Will. He can I, I do that. Like, I feel like he could grab the mic and, and announce, like, the same thing, announce a band in front of 80,000 people, but he, he can't stand there next to me and Kate and go, because he knows Kate, too. You know, like I wanted yeah. to be someone that knew that, you know, that we all, that we were all kind of buddies with who were, you know, on the Cali side. And um, I'm happy it was you, buddy. Well, I'm happy it was me too. Like I said, it was an honor and it was and great. Yet, and yes, I that was the it. first time you met Patrick Kennison. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That was the first time I met him there. Yeah. And that was, I think, before he had the lead of Ford gig. Yeah, it was way before that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he came to my house too because I think we we had some video stuff. We were doing the video, your wedding video. Oh, okay, okay. And he came over to my house because I I I had some program or he had some program or any. Anyways, he came over a couple of times. Oh, weird. That's cool. Yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. He's a cool guy. I like him. He's funny too. Yeah, he is. He was our first (laughs) guest on on Talk Louder. First ever, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm just drinking a, a limoncello. These are really good, by the way. But nice. I, I need fancy, I, fancy California water. I, I like have it. to. I have to ask you about working with Doyle because I'm a I'm a big Misfits fan. Doyle, of course, the guitar player for the Misfits. Um, 
how did you get that gig? Because I'm sensing a theme here. Uh, Simon seems to be involved. Simon Wright seems to be your connection to everything. And I, is there a Simon connection with Doyle? How did you get the Doyle mm -hmm. gig? Well, actually, it's it's this is a kind of a rhino bucket connection. Okay. Uh, the drummer for who got the gig for Doyle played uh, in Rhino Bucket at one point, did an album, did a couple of tours and stuff like that. Okay, all right. And I'd known him since... Say his name. Uh, Tiny Buso, Tony. Tiny. Yeah. Tiny, yeah. Right. Uh, I knew him from way, way back, like before Rhino Bucket got signed and stuff. Long, long time ago. 80s, 80s, late mid 80s, and uh, and it was kind of funny. I got a message from from my brother's friend. He sent me a, a message and said, "Hey, Doyle's looking for a drum tech." And I'm like, "What? Okay." So I sent, I got a hold of them, and it ended up being Tiny. And Tiny's like, "Well, I didn't think of you because I figured you didn't want to do it. It's not that much money or whatever." And I go, "Fuck, I'll do it." You know, I love being on the road. It's cool. And so I ended up being his drum tech, and we did, I think, 30 days. And then the uh, the tour manager came up to us and said, you guys are fired, and dropped us off at Tony's house, and we left. <laughs> <laughs> That's wow. pretty glamorous. Well, I, I, don't know if it was, I don't know what happened. I mean, I, I don't know, but, you know, uh, they figured it was a package deal. If they're going to fire the drummer, you know, I'm gone too. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, okay, well. Well, that was fun. I mean, Doyle was cool. He was, I mean, I didn't really talk to him much. I mean, we were, we, sh we were in like the same kind of small bus or whatever it was. Um, everybody was cool. You know, they're just, it was a different vibe than hanging out with, with, you know, you guys or, you know, with, you know, Rhino Bucket or Dangerous Toys or Junkyard or any of those guys, you know, yeah, yeah. it was just a different vibe. There was probably some, a little bit of distance I guess it wasn't as, as much camaraderie as some of the other uh, bands you've worked with type of thing. Yeah. I mean, I was like kind of thrown in there and it just, I don't know. I mean, it was, it was I'm not saying anything bad about anybody. It was, yeah. you know, it was cool. It was the same typical club tour, been to all these venues before, knew all the people say, Hey, Jimmy, what's up? Hey, 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 you know, which is cool. I like that kind of stuff to, yeah. you know, when you walk into a place, they know how you are and they're familiar with you and how you work and stuff. And, you know, they don't, well, they may think I'm an asshole sometimes, but, you know, it's, I try not to be. Yeah, like, you're, well, you, you've got a job to do. You're working. Yeah. You know, that's what I was going to say. Right? Yeah. So, so if something's yeah, I not would... right. And you're, if something's not right and you're walking in trying to fix it and they're not in the mood to help you fix what's not right. Yeah. You're yeah. not an asshole. You're trying to get shit done. That's it. Yeah, that's that's basically it, that? and it's yeah. I mean, I've I've had to pull the card out where it's like, you know what? I think we're done loading in. We're gonna load out now. Yeah, you know, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm like, I don't, I hate to go to that point, you know, or well, or even. I remember one time someone didn't want to pay. You know, ooh. that was always fun. You know, dealing with that. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the night, where's the money? Oh, I, we don't I, have I was, it. I was going to I was going to ask you, I mean, doing what you do is a difficult enough job without any, you know, extracurricular bullshit thrown into it. But I'm sure you've had to deal with plenty of extracurricular bullshit. So, yeah, what 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 are you know, 
Can you tell us a story about, you know, something similar to that, not getting paid or the venues being uncooperative or they're, you know, rowdy fans after the gig or, you know, uh, being obnoxious, trying to hang out with the band or anything. What's the, what's the dirty side of what you do? Um, geez. Well, you know, with, with the Dio stuff, all, all them, they're bigger, you know, and the venues are bigger. You're, you're dealing with live nation, you know, and AEG and stuff like that. So, and you know, there's really not much bullshit with them. You know, they get the money, everything's fine like that. The, the venues know because, you know, they're under contract with them. So they don't want to screw up either. Right. Uh, but some of the smaller gigs, um, I've, I've had trouble one time that like, they only wanted to give me half. And, you know, I'm like, that's not going to work. I needed all this and that you go back and forth and the guy's just kind of like, you know what? Fuck you. I'm not going to give you any more money. And this is it. And then I look over and I say, this, I don't know why, I don't know why I did, said this, but I did. And I said, yeah, I saw that BMW. How much is that window going to cost? <laughs> what? <laughs> and the guy looked at me and says, okay, here you go. And went in and pulled out some more money. And so I was like, wow. I can't believe I, I, I had to say that. I mean, it's, that's not me at all, but no, it, it can be me though. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've had to pull some soprano shit from time to time. I, yeah. Not, not often. <laughs> that, that's probably like the most I've ever did or said, but most of the places are pretty cool about it. They deal with it. I try not to like, like before, like Jason knew that I used to book bands too. I had a few bands that I book at venues, but it would always, always be at venues that I knew or the people I knew or I dealt with them. You know, it was kind of hard to deal with other people that I didn't really know it, you know, then I get to know them and everything and it's cool, you know, I'll deal with them, but I try to keep it to the people that I do know and the places that, that I go to and everything like that. So I don't have to pull that kind of shit, you know? Yeah. So, so how many, how many days a year are you on the road? Uh, well, it's, it's gotten less, obviously none last year. Yeah. Uh, and the year before was, I think, was it, we did, uh, I don't know, it was probably two or three months with the Dio stuff the year before. Um, it's It's been a lot less lately. But before, it was like with Jeff, we would go out for like six weeks, come back for like four or five weeks, go out again for six weeks. It was constant. It was always touring. We'll do the whole West Coast. We'll do like 30 shows on the West Coast area. Yeah. And then, you know, the South and then the East and the Mid and the whole thing like that. And some Canada shows and Brazil, you know. It was a lot of touring with him. Um, and with Rhino Bucket, too, we were, this was back in the late 90s, early 2000s, when they kind of came back a little bit. We did a lot of touring, a lot of weekend stuff. You know, yeah. we fly out on Thursday, fly home Sunday night or Monday, uh, almost every weekend, mostly every other weekend. But we try, I try to book as much as possible every weekend because, you know, we need to get paid. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what, what out of the year, probably about like four or five months, maybe on the average. All right. So close to half the year, you're living out of a suitcase, basically. Yeah. And a bunk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're lucky. Right. <laughs> I got to so, have a bunk now. I can't so, I can't do these van tours. Ugh. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, you, I'll do you them, know, but 
you were talking, we were talking a, a bit about Doyle a moment ago. And um, uh, when he came to Austin two or three years ago, I, w I went out to the, to the show and I, I had reviewed his album for my website or something. And uh, they invited me to, you know, come, you know, hang out on his, it was actually an RV or, you know, they weren't even on a bus. It was an RV. <laughs> and I, you know, I, I, I've seen bands that ha that do that. And, uh, you know, a lot of times people think that if the name is recognized, if the person is quote unquote famous, that they're automatically on a tour bus. And, and, uh, I mean, he was, you know, getting by in an RV and I, you know, by the time you factor in the band and the crew and I'm like, how many people are rolling down the highway in this thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there's the, there's that side of it too, I guess. So if you have a bunk, um, uh, I assume you're on a bus and, and life is pretty good, I guess, but it, it could be worse. Right. It, yeah, it has been worse. I mean, you know, Jason knows five in a van, six in a van, you know? Yeah. Try to get the nice passenger seat. Yeah. Right. You know? yeah. So and how did you, you how did you turn into a human question mark? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're like yeah. You're trying to trying to put a six foot body on a four foot bench. It doesn't work. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so how did, how did you get into this line of work? Um, I was 16 years old. I had a 71 Chevy Nova and a friend of mine said, Hey, I'm doing a gig at the Troubadour. Can you give me a ride? <laughs> and will, will this Marshall cabinet fit in the back of your truck? <laughs> uh, back in the back of your, uh, your car, not truck. Your, in your Chevy trunk. Nova, right? The Chevy Nova, 71 Nova. And, uh, and I said, okay, George, I'll do this for you one time. <laughs> and then that was it. Uh, I'd been, you know, well, I'd, I'd known him since I was about 14 and he was about 16, maybe. Yeah. Um, George Zalibo. Yeah. And uh, Rhino Bucket. Yeah. Yeah. The singer of that band. Yeah. And then uh, that was it. I was pretty much like always there, even throughout the whole beginning of Rhino Bucket with everybody. I'd always been there. You know, I'd always went on all the tours i was in the recording studio with them and everything and then after touring with rhino bucket they kind of broke up in like 94 95 95 it was uh greg started working at sound city recordings uh in van eyes and a few months later he goes hey they're looking for somebody if you're interested and i go well i did go to recording school i might as well use it and uh so he got me a gig at sound city which at the time, it's kind of didn't really think how iconic it of a place that was, yeah. and everything. And I was like, I was there for about a year and a half, worked on a lot of stuff, and started moving up. Greg started moving up, and he started working with uh, you know big name people and everything. Now, yeah. now he's like really big named. Yeah. Um, oh. Wow, on and, he's on retainer and shit. Wow. Uh, yeah. Sound, yeah. Sound City. Sound City, by the way, is the is the studio that Dave Grohl did that documentary about, correct? Yeah. 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 I, I was fascinated by that whole documentary because uh, I know Jason recorded there with Dangerous Toys, but I had no idea how many landmark albums were it's deep. I mean, oh yeah. Right? So you were an employee, huh? That's yeah, I, I was a I was a runner there. That's how you start off as a runner, making five bucks an hour. Yeah. Um, you know, just doing everything, learning everything. You know, I went to the school and all that, but it didn't teach me the real the real part of working in the studio. 
no, and you know, fixing different. headphones every day, you know, shit like that yeah. and soldering stuff, you know, and, and, and just learning, learning from everybody and we're microphone placements and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, then, and then, uh, I got married and at that point, my, uh, um, about a year later she got pregnant and it was kind of a decision. It's like, okay, do I get the nine to five with health insurance and everything, or do I continue doing this and scraping by barely and, and all that? And I'm working, you know, 12, 15 hours a day, six, seven days a week. And I, I chose the other, you know, and I got two beautiful kids out of it. Awesome. And it was awesome, you know, and they're yeah. adults now they're 25 and 21. Jesus. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, well- that shit happens. <laughs> yeah. So, so I left Sound City, you know, and it was fine. I went to go work for the phone company, you know, so I was started climbing telephone poles for 14 years in between that grunge thing going on. Right. That happened. Yeah. So. Wow. That's interesting. I didn't know that about you. That's really cool. I was just enthralled watching that documentary. I think the, I think it was pretty well done. I, I have no other point of reference other than what Dave Grohl told us to know about that place. I have some uh, really cool photos that we, you know, between me and I think Mike Watson take had, had taken, this would have been in 88 uh, of some of the rooms that were there hanging out with Max Norman uh, I think there's a photo or two of a couple of the guys in Wolfsbane who were there with, uh, oh, that, that was, uh, Rick Rubin, right? Yeah, Wolfsbane that's right. That was, was on Rick, Deaf American. Yeah. Rick, Rick Rubin. Right. Yeah. And I remember, I have some stories about it. Me and Rick Rubin leaning the vending machine down while I stuck my arm up the butt of the <laughs> vending machine trying to, you know, stories like that. Uh, Blaze uh, Bailey, Blaze Bailey. Who I think that's why they got rid of the vending machine. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, they didn't have the vending machine. It was broken all the time from people, you know, playing uh, ripping it know, off proctology <laughs> medicine with it. You know? So, so uh, anyway, uh, yeah, the Sound City thing. I I think I'd forgotten that you worked there, Demi. That's amazing. Um, any, any, did you record any, did you work with anybody that we would know? Uh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people I worked with. My best thing though, that I ever did there was I was able to record my dad on that SSL board oh. on two inch and, uh, his, cause my dad was a musician and, uh, one weekend it was open and the manager said, Hey, do you want to practice or do anything? It's open. I said, yeah. So I called my dad and and he had a bunch of songs and we recorded and and everything that was for two days we did that wow and it was probably the best experience of my life there besides you know whatever rock stars were there and stuff but to have to record my dad and his music that he wrote amazing that, that was cool, that was special i mean it was cool when was what's his name from the doobie brothers came in in the middle of the night to do a guitar trick you know for somebody and then got out that was kind of neat too, but wow. that, I think uh, it was Skunk Baxter. Yeah, he came right. in. He came in one time, like at midnight, brought his guitar and his stool, and then left at two a.m. And then it was like, okay, wow. <laughs> I guess that band couldn't cut the guitar lick. <laughs> that, that's wow. crazy because uh, he works for the government. Oh, he does. Yeah. Oh, huh? I thought Skunk was the bass player. 
No. He's no. no. He had the, the big mustache. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that yeah. dude works works for like the arms department or something for the US government. Oh, yeah, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> well, um, he's moonlighting doing guitar gigs. At oh, Sound well, City. oh <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, everybody knows him as a, he just has a secret life. That's all. He's <laughs> he's kind of one of these guys. You know, he's oh yeah, I'm just your you know crazy biker mustache, long haired doobie brother, but I work for the U.S. government too, so don't piss me off. <laughs> anyway, uh, this has been really really awesome yeah and oh yeah i uh, i think that um you know the world needed to kind of meet a real person who's who is a close friend of mine who like hangs out with rock stars like it's changing your socks yeah well and they hang out with me yeah. Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. I, no, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, no, uh, um, I, I want to add to that too, real quick. I, I, I think it's great that you joined us today because, as a fan, you know, I'm not a musician. I'm a fan. I'm the guy that's in the crowd, and I, I, I want people to understand and know what it takes to put on that production. A lot of people look at the stage and they look at the musicians and they go okay, that's it, you know, and uh, there's so much more going on behind the scenes and you've made a career out of it and worked with some of the biggest names in the industry. And I think it's cool to get that perspective because we talk to a lot of musicians on this show and we get the musician's uh, point of view, but uh, I really do appreciate and enjoy kind of hearing, for lack of a better term, the grunt work that goes on behind the scenes to give us, the fans, uh, the show that we see and appreciate and love and enjoy. And you guys keep it running. You keep it on the road and you keep it moving and you keep it popping. And I mean, the the band wouldn't be able to do it without you. So uh, I appreciate you joining us and giving us the in, that sort of insight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's appreciate the words, man. That's, that's awesome. You know, and we, all the guys that I work with and stuff, I love them all. They're all great. And, um, but it, it, you know, Motorhead said it, you know, with the crew, you know, the we're the ones, like I said, eight o'clock in the morning, we're the first ones in there, you know, and in two o'clock in the morning, unloading and sacking out for a few hours if you can. You know, you, have, you still have the adrenaline going through you. Yeah. Every night. Yeah. And, uh, but it, it's, it's good. I, I, I hope we can start touring again more this year. Uh, and this coming year and everything. Um, and I'm, a, I'm hopefully I can work with other bands too. I don't want to just keep myself just to Dio um, and everything. I mean, I, I'll work, they're my number one, of course, you know, with Wendy and everything. I'll, but, you know, when they're not doing something, you know, I want to get out there and do some more stuff again. There's always countries you don't see, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Stuff like that. So I have to go to Alaska. That's my next one. I haven't never I was, been to Alaska. So I, I was just going to ask what's on your bucket list of places to, to visit. Not that you have a lot of free time to go play tourist or whatever, but uh, <laughs> it, it, in your travels, I, I imagine you've seen, you know, obviously most of the United States and probably some foreign yeah. countries in that, you know, so I was going to ask you what, what's out there on the globe that you haven't hit yet that you're, you know, you'd like to. Um, Australia definitely yeah uh i want to go there uh, hopefully something can be done there's i think there's only like seven or eight places you can really play there though 
Yeah. So it's got to be like open a week. Um, probably Australia is my number one. I just want to go there and I want to spend some time there. I just don't want to go into a venue to the hotel and on a plane, you know, I want to right. look at it yeah. and actually check it out and, and fill up my, my iPhone full of pictures. Sure. Know? Yeah. Cause who knows when <laughs> you'll get back there. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's my, my bucket list, probably Australia. Yeah. Well, Demi, thank you so much for being with us today. This was uh, this was awesome. Like I said, uh, you you bring a unique perspective to the show. We haven't really talked to anyone that does sort of the behind the scenes work that you do. And uh, it, it, speaking for all the fans out there, it's much appreciated that you keep the bands on the road and you keep them sounding good on stage. So, uh, well, thank thanks, for thanks for having me on. It, it was great yeah. talking to you and meeting yeah. you. And yeah. I haven't talked to Jason in a long time too. So hopefully, uh, get together and talk. I'm just glad that that uh you know you and and our you know our people are are surviving the mess. Yeah. And, uh, we're all learning how to coexist with with ourselves. Uh, um you know there's a lot of people who are kind of down in the dumps. Um uh you know this this whole weird time took has taken a, a big toll and yeah. um and it's just great to see, you know, a lot of my friends uh, smiling and ready to put their boots back on. So yeah. it's time. Reasons, yeah, <laughs> that's right. One of the reasons I wanted to have you on here, you had a, I think that, you know, and I've said this before and Dave can back me up. Uh, I, I've actually called, wanted to call some of our episodes. I just call it name droppers, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Because there's a there's a little bit of name dropping going on in this show all the time, but see, in 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 talk on the Talk Louder podcast, we don't always have guests. Uh, we're on a roll right now because we're we're able to actually line them up and knock them down. See what I did there? Yeah, yeah. But the, thank you, Bon Scott. But the <laughs> uh, the the idea uh, of you know the show was not necessarily to have guests. It was basically me and Dave to nerd out and talk shit and uh, you know like uh, Chris Farley meets Paul McCartney kind of. Remember that time you? wrote that yeah. song she loves you man that was awesome and then you know awesome. three three hours later you know it's like oh i guess we i guess we're done with this episode you know um but you know i wanted demi to come on here and do some name dropping with me and dave so yeah well thank you yeah i, I only have a couple of names but they're good ones they yeah, are so. good ones and they're worthy <laughs> they're they um they they are worthy of a talk louder podcast so so thank you again from Absolutely. the bottom of my heart. Absolutely. You got it, man. I think I have 10% left on my phone, unfortunately. Shit. Well, so I hope it doesn't go out. No, we're gold. <laughs> we're, thank we're you. Okay. Dave, take, take us out. Thank yeah, you. Dave. Thank you again. Right, guys. We appreciate Thanks. it. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Our special guest, Demetrius Bermudez, today. I'm Metal Dave Glessner signing off along with my co-host, Jason McMaster. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Talk Louder podcast. 